Before I get started this morning, let's pray quickly. Why don't you close your eyes? Thank you, Lord, that you entered this world to give us peace, love, hope, joy, salvation. We are so thankful that you sent your Son so that we could live. This morning, Lord, please speak to people's hearts. Please bring them what they need to hear from you this morning. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Awesome. Thanks, team. You guys can have a seat. Didn't they do an awesome job this morning? Sometimes I, to be honest, I just live for getting here on a Sunday morning and worshipping. Uh, maybe worship isn't your thing, but it's my thing. And I go, oh, thank goodness <laughs> as I lift my hands. So good to be in church. So when I think about Christmas, I am automatically filled with joy. I don't know if this is you, but I'm one of those over-the-top Christmas people and always have been. I love the movies. You name it, I've seen it. I love the carols. I started listening to Christmas carols late October just to make myself feel a bit peppy. It made me feel so much better. Uh, I love the biscuits. I love the decorations. Um, so my mum and I, and well, in, in our house, uh, we've always gone all out. Um, <laughs> mum lived in upstate New York for a while uh, when she was in her early 20s. And I think that spirit of Christmas from there gets kind of implanted into our homes every year. Um, Mum used to even offer to hire me out to friends of hers that were maybe feeling a bit low and not into the Christmas spirit. She's like, I could send you Ashley um, for a fee, you know. <laughs> She'll come and decorate your house. I even um, found this woman called Kate and Claus in the US. So she lives in Nashville and her entire job is to decorate people's homes for Christmas. I went, Jesus, why is someone else doing my calling? Why did I go to university? Like, why am I not doing this? It just might not have take off so much in Australia, but I feel like there's a future there for me. Um, so given all my, you know, joyful Christmas ideals, um, I find the older I get, the longer I live, Christmas gets a little bit more complicated than that. Um, I know for many people, they dread Christmas uh, because of family gatherings. Um, as I was a teenager, we certainly had what you would call a blender family. Uh, so my sister and I were often you know, going from house to house to house, trying to make all the different sides of the family, their, their Christmas gathering, and we'd end up Christmas night, we'd be <laughs> exhausted. So we've long since stopped that and try and catch people at different times. Um, 2019 threw a bit of a spanner in the works for our family. So mum had finished her chemotherapy um, but the extremely high doses of the extremely aggressive chemotherapy had almost killed her. Um, and uh, David got home from church one morning to find her in and out of consciousness on the couch. It was scary as, so it was this Sunday, it was the Sunday before Christmas. And so we rushed into hospital. 
uh, and they said, you, you, you came in in the nick of time. The oncologist said, a few more hours and you would have been in ICU and I don't know how much more I could have done for you. So Christmas miracle, <laughs> mum came home Christmas Eve and we were all able to have Christmas together as a family. And I think that Christmas day, we all kind of let out this collective oh, sigh of relief. Like, oh my goodness, you know, it makes all our other Christmases where we worried about gifts and food and everything just seems so, so silly. Um, but I think, you know, the more you think about it, you go, is there really a cause for joy, Christmas? A cause for joy? Hmm, maybe not. But when I look to the Bible and what it says about Christmas and joy, I love reading about Mary and Elizabeth. Um, I'll set the scene for those of you unfamiliar with this part of the Christmas story. So Elizabeth was Mary's cousin. So she had long been barren um, and ashamed at not being able to have a child. Um, then Mary, who was very young, unmarried, gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit and goes to Elizabeth's house. I imagine to seek some comfort <laughs> and some reassurance. And I love, love, love what the Bible says about their meeting. So in Luke 1:39 to 45, it says, at, the, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. How awesome is that? I think we often can just skip over that and, and go, oh, you know, who knows if babies really leapt for joy in the womb. And, but I, I really do believe that as God filled Elizabeth and her unborn child, who was John the Baptist, with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in her was joy. The baby in her leaped for joy upon recognising Jesus. Then God gave me the revelation, what if joy is not about what happens to me, but about what God is doing in me? So joy is not about what happens to me, but about what God is doing in me. In Elizabeth, God was growing the infant that would become John the Baptist, who would prepare the way for Jesus. In Mary, God was growing the saviour of the world, which leads me to wonder, what is God growing in me? Something that perhaps is starting as small and as needy as a baby, God could be growing to change the world. I've been pondering over this for weeks. <laughs> and when I thought about it, 
I thought about how often I haven't actually felt all that joyful about what God is doing in me. For the most part, I think what God is doing in me is messy at best and painstaking and painful at worst. I think that God, you know, is finally shifting that that stuck thought pattern or that character trait or that habit, all to make mistakes and feel back at square one again. I can't honestly say I feel overly happy or have joyful feelings about this process, this mess. But when I think about the first Christmas, it was very messy. Jesus was born under a farm shelter, not on a maternity ward in a warm birthing pool. He was placed in a feeding trough, not a bugaboo. He was wrapped in cloth strips, not bamboo blankets matched to the colour scheme Mary had chosen for his nursery. It was flipping messy. He was born into an era where the region was ruled by a homicidal dictator, which led his family to have multiple house moves brought about by angelic visitations to his parents to warn them to leave the country. Messy. In addition to being messy, the first Christmas did not happen all at once. So despite what we originally learn as children about the nativity, the shepherds, angels and wise men did not all come and appear on the same night. Despite the story being a brief one in the Bible, Mary did not conceive a fully grown infant. She did indeed wait nine long months like every other woman. Which leads me to conclude, like Mary, we also have to wait in messy situations. We have to wait whilst God works his miracle in us. I think we, speaking for all of us, but this is definitely me, we want to rush this process along so we can be happy, so we can feel joy. We equate the resolution of our waiting with achieving a state of joy. How many times have you gone, come on God, fix me. I'm trying over here. Perhaps God wants us to learn something in the waiting. Perhaps God wants us to learn to trust him. When I think of learning to wait, my mind, waiting, (laughs) learning to wait, my mind immediately jumps to dog training. So lots of you will know my dog, Flora. So she's a cavoodle. She's not all that little. (laughs) We anticipated she might be quite little, but (laughs) she's more the size of a labradoodle. So uh, she really struggled to learn to wait. So every other trick we did in obedience class, she was often like gold star, achieved before all the other dogs and was like sitting there like, what next? Um, You know, we even got an award in bronze class for best teamwork. It's the most uh, proud I've ever been of any award. Uh, But when when we progressed to silver class, they had to learn to wait for food. So Flora tried. She really did. You could see the effort 
but no matter how hard she tried, she'd shuffle forward on her bottom <laughs> towards the bowl of food. She'd shake, she'd whimper, like it was really pathetic. And then she'd finally give in and launch towards the bowl and scoff up all the treats. Um, we practiced and practiced and she did not get it. They're like, oh, you mustn't be practicing at every meal and every time you give her a treat, otherwise she'd have it by now. And no one believed me when I said, yes, we have been. You go, sit, wait, and then she straight for the food. But over time, something shifted. So Flora became calmer. Perhaps she started to trust that I would indeed give her the food that I had promised. But now she waits really, really well. You'll tell her to wait with the food right in front of her. You can walk to the other end of the house and come back and she's still sitting there. She's really, really good. And if I'm to liken her to a Bible character, I think of Mary. <laughs> so Mary certainly trusted God in the midst of a very frightening and unexpected situation. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and told her that she would conceive and give birth to a son who would be son of the Most High, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Amazing. Oh, to be like Mary, to trust God so much that you declare, I am your servant, to trust and wait in the midst of the mess for your miracle. So not only did Mary wait, she rejoiced in the waiting. In a time where being an unwed mother could have had her shunned from society, Mary declares a song of praise, saying, my spirit rejoices in God my saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Wow, if God had told me, even as a single 31-year-old, um, you're in a time where unwed mothers, not a big deal. Um, I don't think I would be going, oh, generations will call me blessed. Uh, I think they'll be going, this lady's a nutcase. But this verse makes me think that joy is more about our response to what God is doing in us. I could either choose to let this mess define me or refine me. I want to be like Mary, embracing what God is doing in me, letting him refine me into the person he needs me to be to achieve my purpose here on earth. I think I've so often resisted what God was doing to refine me, rather than rejoice in the change he was bringing about in me. So a verse I've never liked <laughs> until recently, and you hear quoted a lot, is uh, James 1 verse 2. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So this verse tells us 
But when we let God refine us, let God build endurance in us, that the result of this is a cause for joy, as we no longer need anything. So we don't need joy to happen to us, because endurance, perfection, completion, and joy are happening in us. This verse also reminds me that our goal is not joy. I think, especially at Christmas time, that the pressure can be for everything and everyone to be happy, to feel joy. I've found that continually seeking this joy is often a cause for disappointment, as people and circumstances and Christmas is not perfect. But I've found that if I seek Jesus, joy is a wondrous byproduct. Joy is not dependent then on what happens to me, but who lives in me. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've been seeking joy and coming up empty. I'd love to pray with you. I'd like to give you an opportunity to meet Jesus, the maker of joy himself. My prayer for you this Christmas is that as you invite Jesus into your life, that you would experience a joy that surpasses all understanding. If this is you and you would like to invite Jesus into your life to get to know him and to follow him, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you felt distant from God, maybe you felt depressed, joyless, without purpose, or maybe you've just known that something is missing. I'd like to give you an opportunity today to come back to Him. So can everyone please close your eyes and bow your heads. If you'd like to invite Jesus into your life this morning, while all heads are bowed and eyes are closed, Please raise your hand right now so I can see it. If you felt far away from God and you want to come back to Him this morning, please raise your hand so I can see it. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. All right. Why doesn't everyone stand up? We're going to pray together. And if you put your hand up here this morning, please come and find me or Pastor Chris or Pastor Vicky or Cody after the service. We'd love to pray with you and encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Okay, repeat after me. Dear Lord, I invite you afresh into my life today. I want you to work a miracle in me to change me so that I become more like you. Please let me no longer seek joy by what happens to me, but experience joy by what you are doing in me. In Jesus' name, amen.